It's a joy to be with you for real. Um, yeah, we last week started a series from the book of Job talking about the topic of suffering. And um, whenever we talk about that topic, uh, things seem to happen, huh? Um, we live in a real world that's filled with real hurts and heartaches. Uh, who had a tough week here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who said, maybe not this week, but there's been other ones behind me. <laughs> who thinks there's some tough ones ahead? Yeah, and this is life, right? Um, I want to open in prayer. It's been a tough week for us. Uh, my wife's not here today. She's, she's pretty ill. And uh, we're just waiting to see what's going on, going on with her body. It's something, something's up. We don't know. It's concerning. Um, it's, been, it's been a hard week in that way, and I know it's been hard for others. And so we're, we're steadfast, trusting the Lord, um, even when it hurts, even when it hurts. In uh, the book of Lamentations, it's a lament, and I've shared this with you before, but I think it's appropriate to remind ourselves of that. A lament is a song of sorrow. Um, and the Bible gives us not just instruction how to, but permission to, to sorrow, to feel sorrow. And the entire book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, who was given the nickname the weeping prophet, because his heart would ache for the people of God and their rebellion. But as we sang, do it again, I was reminded of Lamentations 3, 22 through 26, which says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new when? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And then Jeremiah says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And sometimes that's all we've got, right? We just got to sit down, close our mouths and say, God, I'm waiting on you. And for those of you today who are waiting on God in your hurt, in your fear, in the unknown, in the pain, I just want you to know that his steadfast love is new even today. And guess what? It will be tomorrow and the next day. This is our God. And so I'm eager to open up more of his word with you guys. Let's pray together. Well, Father in heaven, we love you. We adore you. Um, God, I, I'm just filled with so many scriptures in my mind right now. A bit jumbled, uh, in all honesty. Father, I pray that you would bring things into fruition here and as I open your word. Um, God, I, I want to I be your instrument this morning. Uh, God, I, I want to speak your words, nothing from me, all from you, Lord. God, I, I thank you for the promise that you give us that your word will never return void. And that's why every Sunday morning, me or another gets up here and preaches your word. God forbid that we would ever turn from your word. For in it we find hope life, forgiveness through Jesus Christ and the power of the good news of his death and resurrection in our behalf. So Lord, as we open up the book of Job, with all the questions it raises up, and sometimes not all the answers that it gives, I pray, Lord, that you would comfort hearts. God, your Holy Spirit, who is God himself, Holy Spirit, we talk to you and pray that you would be the very one you said you would be, and that is our comforter. Lord, your word says when Jesus was ready to leave this earth, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send another, the comforter, who will lead you into all truth. Lord, Jesus says that it's to our advantage that he left in order for the Spirit to come. As the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would work in each of our hearts, bring comfort, bring healing, bring hope. And Lord, do your thing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I titled the sermon, Hold On Even When It Hurts. And basically, I got four words. Hold on, even still. That's what you, I want you to leave with today. Hold on, even still. Still with when what? Still. Hold on, even still. Last week, I opened up the book of Job, and some of you may have heard of it before. Others of you uh, may be familiar with it. It is the book on suffering in the Bible. 
I mean, there is suffering interwoven throughout the Bible that kind of comes with the territory of following Jesus. And some of you are like, no one told me that when I signed up. I'm sorry to tell you that. Whoever didn't tell you that didn't tell you the truth. Our world we live in is not the home of Christians. Family, we got to understand that. This is not your home. You don't live here, at least for the time being, you do. But the Bible says that we are aliens, not, not creatures up in the stars. But this is a foreign land that we don't ultimately belong to. In fact, Philippians 3 says we are citizens of heaven and members of the household of God. If you're a Christian today, you must live life as a sojourner, like a pilgrim, like an alien. This is not our home. And so when we understand that, we realize this isn't our home. This isn't everything. 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years, maybe God will give us. And then what? But for those who are Christians, and then it's home. And so there's pain in this life because the world is broken. Ever since Adam and Eve took of the fruit in the garden, sin entered the world, and everything fell apart. It was broken, but God gave a message of hope saying, I will send one yet still, Eve, through you. One of your ancestors will come and will put a decisive blow to that serpent. And one day he will usher in a new garden of Eden. And we fast forward to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation. God says, I will give them again the right to eat of the tree of life. And then we will enter into eternity. But between the two gardens... There's a lot of mess. And the book of Job shows us some of the mess that happens in each of our lives. I'm going to give us a recap for those who weren't here, a recap for those of us who were here, because we need to be reminded. In fact, chapter 2 of Job is very similar to chapter 1. But we're going to soak in a little bit longer in some of these points as we, as we see what God wants us to learn. Job was a man that lived in a land of Uz, which was outside of the land of Israel. He was not a Jewish man. But what we know is certain categories and qualities told of him. Look at Job. I'm sorry. Turn your Bibles to the book of Job, which is smack dab in the middle of the Bible and a little to the left. If you're in the book of Psalms, it's the book right in front of that. The book of Job, chapter 1. It tells us something about the, the character of this man. This man who we would learn becomes so acquainted with suffering like you and I are acquainted with. It says, Job was a man that was blameless and upright who feared God and turned away from evil. He was a man of great quality character, but not a perfect guy, but a guy who knew who his God was. He was a man that God had chosen to bless uh, spiritually, bless physically, bless financially. He was the wealthiest man in the land. He had 10 kids, seven sons, three daughters. And he was a man of great reputation. And a lot of us, when we see that kind of story, we're thinking, like, that must be the easy life right there. That, that, that sounds pretty good. But as the book of Job unfolds, because those, that, that, those uh, descriptions only last about six verses into this book of 42 chapters. Um, hard was coming, and it came in the form of Satan coming to God and saying, God, um, I've been roaming about the earth. And God says, have you noticed my servant Job? He's a one who's like no other. God speaks of his character and Job's like, yeah, I'm aware of this guy. But Job loves you only because you bubble wrap him. You've made life super easy for the guy. Of course he's not. He's not rejecting you. What Satan says about this man Job is that his faith is as good as his comfort. You take away his comfort, you take away his faith. And so now the book of Job begins to unpack. We start seeing that there is a battle going on here, if you will. There, there is a kind of proving that Satan has to do in terms of the character and quality of Job the man. God gives Job, uh, Satan permission to afflict Job and the things around him. We see in the story of Job that raiders come in and they steal his cattle. Fire falls from the heavens, probably lightning. They destroy his sheep. 
all his possessions gone in an instant, one messenger after the next. And the last messenger of them all says, Job, your children, your sons and daughters were having a meal together. And it was a great wind and the house came crashing in on them. Nobody in the house survived except for me. And there's how we see Job's story. You know, this past week, uh, Monday morning, got a text of one of our youth went through some extreme adverse adversity, almost getting hit by, well, getting hit by a car, but almost getting hit uh, in a tragic sense. And we praise God for his protection. Give him glory for that. Uh, later the same day, another one of our youth had an incident where uh, his life was in jeopardy after fainting on train tracks. A few days later, we heard of other people battling health, anxiety, struggles. I mean, it was almost like the messenger one after another. And yet, I sat down thinking, and I'm sure I don't know the half. <laughs> I know that all of us have different things in our minds and our hearts, and we read Job's story and say, man, that's, that's a little too close to home right now. What we see in Job's life is the very thing that God wants us to do. Job, it says in chapter 1, verse 20, he tore his robe and shaved his head which is an expression of great grief. And then it says he fell on the ground and worshipped. We saw that Job's faith is not as good as his comfort. His comfort was taken from him, and he says, I will still love my God. I will hold on, even still, even still. So as we saw Job's story, and when he says here in verse 21 of chapter 1, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We see a substantive kind of faith that comes only from a man or a woman who walks with Jesus. And then verse 22, in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Amazing. And all that he went through, not once did he say a blasphemous word against God or charge God with being evil toward him. Job was a man of character, a man who held on. And then we come to chapter 2, you're thinking, okay, what's going to go on? 42 chapters of the book, we're one chapter in, it's awful already, isn't it? I mean, this is pretty messed up. And sometimes you're like, okay, what's next, right? You, you start having these thoughts. And, and what we're seeing here, and we saw last week, is our, our suffering, our pain, it does not escape God's sight. In fact, he's very much aware of it. He, he has a purpose in the pain. And your suffering is never useless. That actually is a very frightful thought to think the opposite, that your suffering has no point. Because if it has no point then what do we do? It's useless. But instead, in the hand of God, as, as Joseph says in the book of Genesis, what his brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. So in your pain and what you experienced this week, I, again, as I, I want to be very delicate as I say this, because our suffering, we, we, we don't have answers and we don't want to speak of things as if, as if it's nonchalant. But you must know that God has a purpose Sometimes you don't know what it is, but you got to hold on, even still. Well, in chapter 2 is where we're going to part today. And chapter 2, maybe it's just as alarming as chapter 1. Verse 1 says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? This is exactly what we saw in chapter one, isn't it? And then God says that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, that's quality, who fears God and turns away from evil. But then God departs from his words, he said in chapter 1. He says, he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. 
Well, then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. Pause there. God tells Satan that Job is a man who is blameless and upright, who fears God and turns away from evil, and he holds on to his integrity even still. He still holds on to his integrity. I was thinking about that this week and thinking how easy it is to let go of our integrity. Because remember, integrity is who you are when no one's watching. It's okay to put on, or it's easier to put on a show in public, but to hold on in private is another, another thing. This word hold on carries the idea of seizing. In fact, it's the same word that King David uses when he fights against Goliath. It's the same word that King David uses when all the armies of Israel are looking at Goliath saying, we're not going to fight that dude. Nine foot giant who's a mighty warrior. And David is alarmed by the cowardice of God's people. And David says, this man mocks the name of God. I got to do something about it. And they're like, you're but a kid. How can you fight this warrior? And David says, when I was a shepherd caring for the sheep of my father, a lion and bear would come. And then he says, I would seize it by its beard and strike it in the head and kill it. When I think of David seizing the beard of a lion or a bear, I'm thinking he's got a pretty firm grip because his life depended on it. Job seized his integrity because his life depended on it. This is not an optional thing. When when we're in the fire, we can't say, I don't know if I'm going to love God today. I don't know if I'm going to give him the glory in my pain. And again, not saying this nonchalantly, but we must understand if we haven't got God, we've got nothing. So Job is there, and God says he seizes onto his integrity. Satan says, man, Skin for skin. This dude's got nothing. Sure, he's good now. He said earlier that his faith is as good as his comfort. And now he was proved wrong. So, so Satan wants to up the ante. Say, well, then his faith is as good as his health. His faith is as good as his health. And he says, skin for skin. All that a man has, he will give for his life he will give for his life. He says, I will give up anything as long as I'm comfortable in my health, is what Satan's saying. He's saying, Job won't love you if you take away his health. We don't understand the ways of God. We don't understand why he chooses what he does, but what we do understand is that Job was a man of integrity. Last week, I I mentioned this, and I I want to keep pressing in, men and women. Integrity is who you are when no one's watching. It's what you say, it's what you do, it's what you think, it's where you're at. Secrecy in a Christian life does not lead us to holiness. It doesn't lead us to victory. It actually makes us quite vulnerable. Integrity says, I'm going to be the same person in private and public. And and it's a difficult thing when no one's watching. It's a difficult thing when everything's taken away. But we must hold fast our integrity. And it's the daily choices we make. It's at the workplace when everyone else is taking things home, stealing, and and you know that I can get away with it. It's when you're having a conversation and someone gossips, you're like, it's just between the two of us. Should I join in? when you're on your phone, when you're on your computer, what you're listening to in your ears, what you let your eyes see on the TV. It's the daily choices. Integrity is not built up overnight. It is the daily choosing to say, God, what about this? 
Help me here, God. I don't want to, I don't want to fall away. I want to seize this thing. I want to hold on, God. I was sharing with the youth on Friday, just briefly, um, God, God grabbed my heart in junior high first. Um, I was raised in a Christian home with parents who feared God, which I praise him for. But I was, I was in about eighth grade when God grabbed me and says, but are you going to live for me? And then I was about a sophomore in high school when God grabbed me and gets us, but are you going to serve me now? Are you going to be a leader amongst your peers? And I realized I needed to make daily choices. And I shared with the youth, I fell on my face in high school. I fell on my face in college. I fell on my face this week. But the proverb says the righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up. See, integrity is not perfection. Don't, don't misunderstand me here. Integrity is saying, when I sin, I'm calling it sin. I'm turning away from it, and I'm going back to Jesus. And next time, I'm going to take another step forward. And I'm going to go a little bit longer. I'm going to go stronger. And when I fail, I'm getting back up because I need the Lord. That's integrity. It's not perfection, but it's fighting. Job held on, and Satan is testing it. Spiritual warfare is real, family. Uh, the devil is a liar, as our brother Alberto tells us often. But I'm grateful for the reminder. Because otherwise we start thinking lies are true. Satan is a liar. But how do we battle against lies unless we know the truth? We've got to dig in this word. God has spoken. He is speaking to you. Don't wait for the voice out of the heavens. The voice has come out of the heavens. and It's in these pages here. We can't do warfare without prayer. Otherwise, you're trying earthly means to fight a spiritual battle. There has never been someone who fought courageously in their Christian life who didn't have a vibrant prayer life. It just, it just doesn't, God has wired the faith to be such that in prayer we, we cling fast to the gospel and to our God and we listen to the spirit and we walk by faith. This is why Paul says, but then we got to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. We're not told about Job's prayer life here. But we're told about fruit that only comes through prayer. Blameless, upright, fearing God and turning from evil. In fact, it was when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness 40 days while he fasted and prayed that Satan came to him. And Jesus made war with two things, prayer and the word. In the same way, we must do it. It's the way the saints have done it throughout the ages. I was thinking this week of those who've experienced hardship in their Christian journey, and I couldn't get out of my mind of slaves in our country, in the country's darkest times. I'm reminded of the, the old Negro spirituals Men and women who, who weren't educated, they weren't given opportunities, but they had one thing no one could take from them, and that was their faith in Jesus. And so without education, without under, uh, much understanding, they would say things like, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to carry me home, coming forward to carry me home. I looked over to Jordan, what did I see? Coming forward to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. There's a simplicity there. But when I hear of a chariot swinging low, I think of Elijah, who walked faithfully with the Lord. And then a chariot came and took him home. And even in the suffering of these slaves, they could say, this is, this is not my identity. This is not my home. Swing low, sweet chariot take me home. Throughout the ages, men and women of God who suffered have held on to their faith. The very ways that Job did and the very ways God is telling you and I to do today. Well, God gives Satan permission to afflict Job. And we see in verse 7, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat 
in the ashes. Man of God, holding to his integrity, head shaven in mourning, clothes torn, ashes on his faith, face, sores on his body, pottery in his hands, scraping his wounds, holding fast his integrity. The righteous do suffer, family. The righteous do suffer. And Job is suffering here. Verse 9. Then his wife, you're like, wait, wait, I haven't heard about his wife yet. Because this moment is not a good one. (laughs) Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. (laughs) I heard of Jesus out there. I'm going to unpack her statement here, but I, I want us to notice something. I was talking over this with Jeremy this week. Job says her statement's foolish, which it is. But as Jeremy said, it's not far-fetched. I mean, that's on point. It's foolish, but it's not far-fetched. Before we stand in judgment of Job's wife here, let's understand something. Her wealth was taken away in a moment. Her 10 children just died. Her husband is on his deathbed. And in her society, she's got nothing else. Just just put yourself in her shoes. Her, Her statement is wrong. But we could get a bit of a sense of it. She despaired. and She didn't turn to the Lord. She feared, but she didn't come to her Jesus. And she believed the deceptions. A belief that says, be a good person in order to get good things from God. But if God doesn't give you good things, stop being a good person. This is where she's coming from. And so she tells him, do you still hold fast your integrity? That's what she's thinking about. She's saying, loving God isn't worth it anymore. Because as long as hardship comes, it's not worth it. She's saying your faith needs to be bringing about a good life. This is not the good life, so abandon the faith. She's saying your faith and her misunderstanding promised something and didn't deliver it. Like those big bags of potato chips. You know what I'm talking about? You open it up and you're like, you're dicking your head all the way in just to get a chip. You're like, what? Right? It promised a lot and delivered half. There there are teachings out there in our world that say you love God in order to get things from God like he's some genie. Make life easy and happy and never painful. That's the God that we want people, the people say we want you to know. And that's that's not the God of the Bible. But if we operate on that, yeah, you got a half bag of chips. But that's not how our God operates. Because this isn't our home. He's offered us and he's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1 tells us. So if we're going to measure blessing by our bags of potato chips in his life and how full God uh, makes life without any, any hardship, now God will make life full, but it doesn't mean that there aren't Job moments. You're still blessed. She believed a lie. When we operate from a faulty starting point, we will draw faulty conclusions. So we must get our words from the word from the word of God. She says, "Do you hold fast to your integrity? Curse God. Curse God." She blames God. It's all his fault. If he were powerful, he'd make this go away, and if he were good, he wouldn't let this happen. But because it is here, he is either not powerful and he can't do anything about it or he's not good and is powerful but refuses to help you. So goes the narrative in our society when the problem of evil is confronting us. How could a good God let bad things happen to good people? Either he's just not good or he's not powerful. 
But I tell you, there is another category. There is a God who is good and powerful who allows bad things to happen to people to accomplish his sovereign purposes. She misunderstood that. And then she tells him, die. Curse God and die. And I believe what she believed here is that suffering can't have a purpose. And if it is purposeless, then just die. But the Bible doesn't teach our suffering is purposeless. Look no further than the most righteous of them all who left his throne in heaven, came on this earth, walked this life with us, the perfect son of God, the righteous one who suffered a purposeful suffering to redeem all who put their faith in him. See, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus and you're suffering, you're struggling, you're hurting, and you're saying, man, what, how do I make sense of this? You must understand that there's a God who understands your hurt and heartache and actually came to this earth and lived hurt and heartache in order to redeem you, to offer forgiveness to you if you would turn from your sin that has separated you from God. This is what Jesus has come to do so that there is a purpose we could see in our pain. This way we could understand God's hand in our lives through his forgiveness and his hope. Her words are foolish but not far-fetched. But man, I thought about this. Some have joked and thought, well, why didn't Satan take her? She was going to do this. Well, it was an instrument. She was being used as an instrument from, from the enemy. But isn't that what happens sometimes? How in suffering, for those who are married here today, you understand that sometimes your help, helpmates or your, uh, you're, you're walking with one another as husbands and wives, the people you need with is each other in that moment, you start to fight in the pain. You start to be an adversity in the pain. And instead of understanding that there's another enemy and it's not your spouse, there, there is infighting. We've got to identify those things when they happen. We, we've got to understand your spouse is not your enemy. There is another. And so here, they're in the midst of this fight. And Job's wife is really struggling. Ladies, I, I want to give a word of encouragement to you. Because as a, as a woman, God has given you a great, just so many different gifts and abilities and sometimes in, in, in church culture, there, there are understandings that, I don't know what it is, but, but, but ladies aren't, aren't, aren't pressed and, and encouraged and pushed to be women who are rooted in Scripture, theologically minded women. And I just plead with you to be that kind of woman. A, a woman who, who knows God and his word. A woman who understands the goodness and grace of Jesus. Whether you're single or married, would you be a woman who is rooted so that your words are seasoned with salt and not, not bitterness? And yeah, we hurt, we, we, we make mistakes, we fail, we sin, but, but be a woman who is anchored in your integrity. I think of women who've suffered in the past, like Johnny Erickson Tata, you may have heard of her, who became a paraplegic after a diving accident, yet who's traveled the world telling people the goodness of Jesus. I think of Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered for the good news of Jesus as a missionary. She devoted the rest of her life going around the world telling people about the same Jesus that she lived for. As women, you can experience heartache, but, but be an advocate for the Lord and find your rest and healing and hope in him. And I'm so encouraged when I see women doing that. I plead with you ladies to do that very thing. Well, Job's wife Let's fear and despair get the best of her. But again, Job responds with character. In verse 10, he says to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He, he calls out her error it doesn't give a, a stern rebuke, but he's saying these are foolish words. Shall we not receive good from God? 
and also the trouble that comes with this life. We all want their good, don't we? But we got to understand that the hard comes too. And Job holds fast to his integrity. He does not sin against God. Well, I mentioned last week that there are three prayers that I want us to pray for each other, and I'm going to pray for you as we make war together, as we suffer, as we experience pain and heartache. The first prayer, and they're for three miracles. The first one's from the miracle of healing for those who are sick, for those who are emotionally wounded, physically sick. We want to pray for healing. We want to believe and we know that our God, our God can and we don't know if he will, but we believe he can and we need to pray for that. The second miracle we got to pray is for the miracle of faith. The miracle of faith to sustain us in the sorrow, in the suffering. That, that, that takes faith and that's something only God can provide for us. It's a miraculous giving of saying, in your pain, God's saying, I will sustain you with faith in the storm. And the third miracle I want us to pray for each other is for the miracle of hope. Hope in what's even beyond this life. And it causes us to live this life with purpose. We need the Lord. We need the Lord desperately. Job is a beautiful model of one who holds on even still. But yet we're only two chapters in. And there's 40 more to go. What we're going to see in the weeks ahead is that Job's faith gets challenged in some unlikely ways. And as we even consider the week ahead of us, your faith will be challenged even in unlikely ways. And whatever resolve maybe you feel today to hold on, know it's going to be attacked, but know that there's a God who will give you the grace to do just that. Hold on to your integrity so that you will not turn from God. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. And if you know of those in our family here at the church who are battling, would you intercede with them? Would you go to battle for them? And if you are struggling today and you haven't let others know about it, please do. Don't don't battle alone. You don't have to broadcast it. Don't put it on Facebook necessarily. Usually doesn't help. But reach out to somebody, two, three people could walk with you. I know for Erica and I, and you know, this, this week has been a week filled with all kinds of uncertainty, but I have sensed the love of God and the church family in such sweet ways for those who've known just our own prayer requests and things we just don't know what's going on. And I know others who've experienced sorrow this week have expressed the same things. But we can't know how to come alongside of each other unless we share with each other. So don't let the enemy isolate you as he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. But stay rooted together with the family of God, holding fast to the gospel of Jesus, and enjoying the mercies of our God, even in the pain. Hold on, even still. Father in heaven, we love you so much, Lord. So grateful, God. that your promises still stand. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, some people here today have got mountains they need you to move. Some of our brothers and sisters today, Lord, are up against the wall. Father, I pray for deliverance for them. God, I pray, Father, for those that right now in their mind are enemies striving to take away their faith. They want to just throw in the towel. Lord, I pray, God, that they would fight. For those who've never known you, Lord, who don't trust, haven't trusted in you, and God, I pray you'd bring about faith and repentance. Turn, turn them from their sin, Lord. Turn them to Jesus. And may they know, God, his forgiveness and the new life that you offer. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness.
Family, let's rise. Let's, let's sing with a confidence today. Let's sing with resolve this morning, family, this closing song. Maybe you haven't got the energy to sing. Maybe you just got a lot of thoughts in your mind that are racing every which way. Maybe in your heart, you're just crying out to God, do it, do it. Prayer team, would you guys come up, please? Brothers and sisters want to pray for you if you're burdened today. Maybe you have a testimony of praise and what was dark is starting to move and the sun is coming out in your heart and you just want to give God all the glory. Tell somebody. But let's, let's, not, let's not lose heart. Let's not give in to the battle, give up in the battle, but let's hold on to our God who sustains us through it. So let's sing together with confidence in our God. Great is your faithfulness. 
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your Father, as you work in our hearts, God, as you strip us of our self-sufficiency and you increase our God-dependence, may we do so gladly and say yes and amen to that. Lord, sustain us this week. Lord, we know that the battle wages on. Lord, we know that there are trials in front of us weeks, months, years down the road, hours. And so, Lord, as we sojourn throughout this life as your sons and daughters through faith in Jesus, as we walk with heaven on our mind, may we be those who are open with our mouths about the goodness of this God that we love. Lord, I pray that we tell those in our lives today who are suffering how there's hope in Jesus. I pray we would not be ashamed of the gospel. I pray we not be ashamed about the good news that has saved us and has given us a hope and purpose in this life. So, Father, may we cling fast to death. We love and adore you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and grow weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is what our God offers to his children. Child of God, go in that confidence today. Go in that confidence today. God bless you, church family. The Lord your God is with you and he's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he'll rejoice over you with singing. You are dismissed. Please join us downstairs for refreshments. We love to connect with you.